Twitter is having a fire sale, Jen Shaw's former counterfeit collection, and science makes a clitoral discovery. The stories behind these headlines and many more coming up right now on an all-new episode of Sunday Best. Today is Sunday, December 18th, 2022. I'm Justin Meisner, and this is Sunday Best. I consumed all the news all week long, so you didn't have to. And today, we're going to round up and break down the week's best in current events, politics, and popular culture. And to kick things off, this is our top story. When Elon Musk purchased Twitter back in November, he began his tenure as CEO by cutting the staff in droves, submitting those who remained to coding and loyalty tests, inviting around 12,000 banned accounts back onto the platform, and releasing the Twitter files, which came off as a five-act play of performative transparency. The Twitter headquarters in San Francisco has also seen some pandemonium as of late. The building's owner, Shorenstein Realty Services, is struggling to refinance its $400 million loan on the 11-story structure, in part because of Musk. Asset advisory firm Heritage Global Partners just listed hundreds of surplus corporate assets of Twitter in an auction that's scheduled for January. Soon, anyone with enough funds can walk away with a wooden at-sign-shaped planter, a commercial food dehydrator, some Baco chairs, a bunch of Knoll desks, and at least a dozen workstations that are still inside of their boxes. The fire sale comes after Musk nixed employee meals back in November, which he claimed cost the company roughly $400 per employee, which meant the departure of the Bon Appetit Management Company, the outfit that helmed Twitter's well-known kitchen and cafeterias. It's all part of the company's scorched-earth cost-cutting measures that are now in progress. There are a few curiosities that might appeal to another startup, such as two orange stationary bicycles that double as charging stations, starting bid for those at $25. But there isn't much in the way of status furniture, except for a handful of Jen's Rism pieces, a blue dot armchair, and five Eames-molded wood lounge chairs that are valued at $1,975 a piece. Starting bid for those, $50 a pop. Now it's time to take a look back at the week that was. This is The Roundup. Disgraced former President Donald Dump hyped a major announcement for Thursday, but when the world awoke, they discovered no major announcement pertaining to, say, his recently confirmed re-election campaign for president, or even the revelation the day earlier that a grand jury had held his company in secret contempt for willfully disobeying three court orders. No, it was to announce that he was releasing a line of digital NFT trading cards, displaying the human medical bladder in a series of varying costumes and and scenarios that range from cowboy to astronaut. The cards cost 99 cents a pop and were available through the website collecttrumpcards.com, adding how they would make a great Christmas gift. And of course, by Friday, all 45,000 available cards had sold out, according to OpenSea, which tracks such offerings. Some commentators had expected the big news to be the announcement of his running mate. 
And despite selling out, the move prompted mockery and criticism from Democrats and Republicans alike, with even Steve Bannon commenting on his show, I can't do this anymore. Donald Dump Trading Cards. Gotta catch them all. By the pussy. A Kentucky Fried Chicken employee in St. Louis, Missouri, has been hospitalized after a customer shot him because he was upset that the restaurant had run out of corn. The shooting happened Monday evening in the city's central West End neighborhood, and investigators say the man tried to place an order in the restaurant's drive through lane, but became upset and threatened employees when he was told the location was sold out of the staple side dish. Not long after, a 25-year-old employee who went outside to speak with the irate customer returned to the restaurant saying he had been shot. The victim was hospitalized in critical but stable condition, and the driver fled the scene and has not been apprehended. Mexico's president has asked Puerto Rican superstar Bad Bunny to play a free concert in Mexico City to make up for a fake ticket scandal that left thousands of fans denied entrance to his recent sold-out appearance that we told you about last week. The government offered to pay for the lights, stage, and sound system, and even install a zip line at the capital's huge main central plaza. Mexico's Consumer Protection Agency announced an investigation and has ordered Ticketmaster to reimburse fans who were turned away the total cost of their ticket plus an additional 20% in compensation for damages. The company will also be fined. Bad Bunny's tour holds the record for the highest-grossing tour in a calendar year, amassing 435.38 million U.S. across 81 shows. Fans who missed his current tour may have to wait a while before seeing him again because he has stated he will be taking next year off to focus on his health. And in related news, Ticketmaster still has a reported 170,000 tickets left to sell for Taylor Swift's upcoming Eras Tour, after the general sale was cancelled due to extraordinarily high demand. According to Billboard, Ticketmaster will be distributing the remaining tickets over the next four weeks via Tickets Today, which was originally created in the early 2000s for members of the Dave Matthews Band fan club to purchase tickets for their concerts. It was acquired by Live Nation in 2008 and now operates the Ticketmaster Verified Fan Request platform. This past Monday, fans who had originally signed up to Ticketmaster's Verified Fan program started receiving emails about a new sales window. And in a bid to avoid the congestion of the first round of pre-sales, fans will be invited to select which tickets they'd like to purchase over the next week, alongside their card details. Sales are limited at two tickets per person, while a digital lottery will decide who is successful. The United States federal government is suing the state of Arizona for placing shipping containers at the border as a temporary wall, according to court documents filed on Wednesday. In August, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, a Republican, issued an executive order telling the state's Department of Emergency and Military Affairs to use shipping containers to fill in gaps along their border, and did so without official permits or authorization. 
The federal government has been battling with the state ever since to get the containers removed, according to the lawsuit. The government claims that the temporary wall substantially curtailed the U.S. Forest Service's ability to access border areas and that the state cut down or removed scores of trees, clogged drainages, and degraded the habitat of species listed under the Endangered Species Act during the installation of the shipping containers. On Friday, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City met up in New York City to record the reunion for the show's third season. And cast member Jen Shaw took to social media to inform her followers why she reportedly did not attend. According to Shaw, she had been snubbed by producers twice after she would not agree to discuss her ongoing legal battles on air. Shaw issued a statement Friday afternoon after TMZ had begun reporting that Shaw was a no-show to the taping, and it read as follows. On September 14, 2022, I was informed by Bravo executives that I was not invited to attend the Season 3 reunion. I was disappointed because I would have no venue to confront inaccuracies and address my storyline with cast members. Out of nowhere, on November 29th, two and a half weeks ago, I was invited to attend. I was elated to learn I would now have a voice at the reunion. I was clear with Bravo that out of respect for the courts and a standing judicial order, I would not be in a position to discuss anything related to my legal case or sentencing. Bravo found this unsatisfactory and said they expected to discuss my storyline. That expectation has no regard for me or my family's well-being, so under legal advice, I will not be attending the reunion. I need to focus on the most important thing in my life, my family. Jen Shaw, who recently pled guilty to being the ringleader of a fraudulent telemarketing scam, completely contradicted her assertions of innocence all throughout the current season of the hit reality show and has had her sentencing delayed several times. She is currently scheduled to finally be sentenced next month and is facing up to 14 years behind bars. Oh, but that's not all. In even more Jen Shaw news from this week, according to legal documents obtained by TMZ, Shaw was sitting on a treasure trove of knockoffs, including more than 30 counterfeit luxury bags and around 40 pieces of counterfeit luxury jewelry. Jen's counterfeit collection included knockoff bags from designers like Chanel and Hermes, but were mostly all made in China. Jen's fake jewelry included pieces claiming to be designed by the legs of Cartier and Tiffany's. The Fed seized all of Jen's knockoffs when they raided her home back in March of 2021 as part of their investigation. As part of Jen pleading guilty, she was ordered to forfeit $6.5 million to help pay up to $9.5 million in restitution, with the Feds this week finally releasing the inventory of the items. The list does also include legitimate designer purses and jewelry, such as bling from castmate Meredith Marks' company that will hopefully put a dent in what she owes. This week, scientists discovered that snakes do, in fact, have clitorises shattering a long-held assumption that female snakes didn't have a sexual organ. Research published Wednesday provides the first proper anatomical descriptions of female snake genitalia. Snake penises have been studied for decades because, of course they have, and are forked, and some are even embedded with spikes. 
good times. But the female sex organ had been overlooked in comparison, according to researchers. And it wasn't that it was all that hard to find, it's just apparently nobody had really bothered to look for it. One of the researchers said she began investigating after all the literature she had read about snakes' female sexual organs, that they didn't have them or had been bred out through evolution, just didn't quite sit right with her. It was another busy week for The Undertaker over at Warner Brothers Discovery, with the media giant continuing to tighten its purse strings by cutting down on royalty payments for talent by pulling shows from its streaming service, taking acclaimed series Westworld and the first season of The Nevers off HBO Max entirely, following their shocking cancellations. And over at DC, with Tim Gunn and Peter Safran, who were recently hired to overhaul and reinvent the DC Extended Universe, Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, and Jason Momoa were all served their walking papers this week, with Affleck and Momoa, whose final appearance as Aquaman will be the release of its sequel next year, both reportedly considering moving forward in other capacities, with Affleck looking to direct and Momoa possibly playing a new DC character. But it was Henry Cavill's firing, which came just months after the actor announced, along with Warner Brothers, his return as Superman to the DCEU, with the actor walking away from his role on the series The Witcher to return to his tights that seems to have stung the most. But following his return in Black Adam and that film's poor performance, Gunn and Safran are moving in a new direction. But there was a bright spot in all this madness, with The Undertaker approving a rare show's renewal at HBO Max this week, with Mindy Calling's The Sex Lives of College Girls now set to return for a third season. This week, a massive Aquadom aquarium at the Radisson Blue Hotel in Berlin exploded, flooding the hotel lobby and nearby streets as a million liters of water came flooding down. Miraculously, only two bystanders were injured from the falling glass as the event took place just before 6 a.m. According to hotel reports, there were 1,500 various fish inside the aquarium, but only 30 were saved and relocated to another nearby. The cause of the break is still unknown, with some reports suggesting it may be due to material fatigue, even though the aquarium was modernized only two years ago. Other reports suggest that freezing temperatures overnight may have caused a crack in the tank. And finally, there's one kid who won't be singing I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas this year after a two-year-old boy was swallowed by a rogue hippo in Uganda, who then spit him back out after an onlooker began pelting the animal with stones, according to the police. The unnamed toddler was playing by himself near his home on the shores of a lake in the town of Katwa Kabatoro on Sunday when the hungry hippo grabbed him with his massive jaws. The tot was rushed to a hospital for treatment in a nearby town in Congo, and the hippo just ambled back into the lake. Hippopotamuses are estimated to kill at least 500 people a year in Africa, chomping down on their victims with tusks that can grow up to a foot long. And that was your Roundup. 
Next up, I want to break down what you need to know about the Tory Lanez assault trial that began in Los Angeles this week, with both Megan Thee Stallion and her former friend and assistant taking the stand to give contradictory testimony. Testimony that blew up on Friday when the judge allowed the jury to hear a recorded interview. Here's where everything stands following Friday's explosive day in court. This is The Breakdown. In a bombshell recorded interview played in open court on Friday, December 16th, Kelsey Harris, Megan Thee Stallion's former friend and assistant, claimed several times that she saw Tory Lanez shoot the Savage rapper and then bribed her and Harris to keep quiet, contradicting her in-court testimony on Wednesday and Thursday. The judge allowed prosecutors to play the entire 80-minute recording in front of the jury on day five of the blockbuster trial, in which Lanes is charged, among other things, with shooting Megan in the foot on July 12, 2020. The interview, clips from which were previously played in court during Harris's two-day stint on the witness stand, was conducted on September 14th of this year in the presence of the deputy district attorneys, a senior investigator, and Harris's husband, with Harris's two attorneys present via phone. In the recording, Harris could be heard telling prosecutors that an argument between Megan and Lanes that started during a get-together at Kylie Jenner's house on the night of the 12th and escalated on the car ride home ended with Tori shooting Megan five times from the passenger side window of the SUV being driven by Lane's security guard. The way Tori was angling the gun was down, definitely in her direction, recalled Harris, who also claimed Lanes threatened to shoot her prior to allegedly firing the gun at Megan later that night. Harris, who befriended Megan in college before becoming her assistant in 2019, went on to emotionally recount the immediate aftermath of the gunfire, describing how she immediately ran to Megan's side to find blood on her friend. So in my head, Megan had been shot, she said. According to Harris, Lanes then exited the vehicle and began walking towards Megan, at which point Harris said she put herself between them, leading Lanes to physically assault her with his hands. She then claimed that after leading Lanes back to the car to distract him from Megan, he started pulling her by the hair and neck. That's when I started fearing for my life, she continued. Harris, audibly crying at this point in the recording, then claimed that the violence de-escalated once Megan returned to the car. Once they got back in the vehicle and continued driving, with Megan's bloody leg propped on her own, Harris said Megan then asked her to call Megan's manager. Harris additionally claimed that she sent a text message to Megan's security guard that read, Help, 911, Tori shot Megan, as well as a Facebook message to her mother requesting help. I was really hurt emotionally, Harris continued, adding, I didn't realize I had bruises from the attack. Once police vehicles pulled over the car, Harris said Lanes quickly began bribing the two women. Please, y'all, don't say anything. I'm about to sign a huge deal. I'll give you guys a million dollars each, she claimed he told them. After police became involved and Megan's manager arrived on the scene, Harris, Megan, and Lanes were separated, with Megan going to the emergency room at Cedar sinai and Harris going to the police station, where photos of her with blood on her legs, shown in court on Wednesday, were taken. Later on in the recording, Harris can be heard claiming that Lanes tried to bribe her again not long after the incident. After showing up at her hotel with another man, she said Lanes apologized and asked Harris if she wanted to work for him or for him to get her a lawyer. I didn't know if that was his way of trying to pay, she added. She said that after telling Megan she had met with Lanes, the WAP rapper was critical, allegedly saying to Harris, he's just trying to play you. 
The recording of Harris's interview with prosecutors in September was a far cry from her time on the stand. During her two days of court testimony, Harris acted evasive with prosecutors and defense attorneys and even recanted claims she made in September that Lanes had threatened to shoot her on July 12th, stating that some of what she said wasn't accurate. There were some things I wasn't truthful about to protect myself. She did not go into greater detail about what she was protecting herself from, nor which parts of the interview were less than 100% truthful. During the September interview, as well as her time in court, Harris stated that she has not seen Megan in person since the incident, noting that the last time they had contact was when Megan offered to pay for her housing in the aftermath of the incident. Harris also testified that Megan's team cut off contact with her in the wake of the shooting. As she did in court, in the recording, Harris can also be heard professing anger toward Megan, saying the rapper, quote, never protected her and even suggested that Harris took hush money from Lanes during an Instagram Live session. I'm upset she didn't clear my name, she said. On Tuesday, Megan testified that the fight that led up to the July 12th shooting, derived in part from Lanes' sexual relationships with both women, as well as derogatory comments she made about the state of Lanes' career. She claimed that after getting out of the car, I started walking away and I hear Tori yell, Dance, bitch, before being fired on by the singer. Though she initially denied to police officers that she had been shot, in an Instagram post three days later, she confirmed that she'd been shot and had undergone surgery to remove the bullets. In an Instagram Live session on August 20th, 2020, she named Lanes as her attacker. Lanes currently faces three felony charges, assault with a semi-automatic firearm, carrying a loaded, unregistered firearm in a vehicle, and discharging a firearm with gross negligence, the latter of which was added to the list of charges ahead of the trial last week. If convicted on all three counts, he faces 22 years in prison. The trial resumes on Monday, December 19th. Now let's wrap things up with some good news. This is something you might have missed. A Texas dog that ran away from home seven years ago after getting spooked during a fireworks display has been reunited with its owner after it was found abandoned in a Florida motel room. The 12-year-old dog named Jazzy was found last month by Orange County Animal Control Officers. The dog had been in a wretched state without food or water and was unable to walk. Jazzy's family had been searching for their pet pooch since she went missing from their Texas home when she was just five years old. Animal control officers discovered the missing dog after they received a report about a pup that had been left in a motel room, dehydrated and likely suffering from a bad case of arthritis. Officials had no idea how the dog wound up at the Orlando Motel or the animal's age and expressed some concerns about getting her adopted due to her health issues. But once the dog was scanned, a microchip revealed Jazzy did in fact have a home in Fort Worth, Texas. The shelter said they contacted the dog's owners and gave them the surprise of a lifetime. During the call, they informed Jazzy's dad, Carrie Smith, about the health challenges she was facing. The dog's devoted owner still wanted her, of course, and immediately booked a ticket from Texas to Florida. On Saturday, Smith was finally reunited with his best friend in what was a tear-jerking moment, with Jazzy coming to life at the sound of her owner's voice. But there are still many unanswered questions. The agency still does not know how Jazzy wound up in Orlando or what her life has been like, but for now, Jazzy is back at home in Fort Worth, just in time for the Christmas holiday and her owners say she is getting stronger every day and is already walking. 
and even trying to run. And that was something you might have missed. That's all for this week's edition of Sunday Best. As always, I want to thank you for spending some of your Sunday with me. And if you've been enjoying what you hear, make sure you're following us on Spotify and on Instagram at Sunday Best Pod. Join me next week on Christmas Day for a very special edition of Sunday Best. Until then, I'm Justin Meisner reminding you not to be a dick this week. It's fucking Christmas. Goodbye. <laughs>